Father. Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm hot. Ugh. It's so sweaty in New York. Yeah. Okay, great. We're diving into that book. Okay, great. Call back later. Okay, bye. You guys, we are hopping into Judges. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And this week, we got our OG girl back. My little muffin, Wheezy. Hi, Muffin Top here, also known as Wheezy. <laughs> muffin Top, do not call yourself that. I feel like a Muffin Top today. Muffin, we've missed you. We've missed you Wait, guys hold too. on. We also have Clara, La Clarita, Clarita here. Clara. Our Spanish vixen here. We're both wearing brown. <laughs> yeah, looking like the red lips kisses. is given vixen, though. It's I very know. like I did videos in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Into it. But Weezy, we're so happy to have you back. Thank you. I think we owe the people a brief update on you. What have you been up to? I get we gave them something last week, like you're freaking killing it. You have really? multiple okay. checks like Kiki Palmer on a next level. I want to be Kiki. I actually told Kiki recently, I was like, I need you a part of one of my jobs. You told her personally? Bet you knew I met her in Mexico. <laughs> keep going. Keep talking, Wheezy. But I want Kiki to be a part of one of the podcasts that, you know, we're working on because she's got such a great voice. But I have a new job. I just became head of audio development for Kenya Barris. And yes. I love him so much. Oh, so dope. Guys. So dope. I'm like super excited. The job came out of nowhere. I was at a party and he was like, yo, are you Wheezy? I love your work. And I was like... But and then he gave me a job. Okay, whole, okay, well, okay, well, we're gonna replace this with listener questions this week because I'm I want to know this stuff yeah. about you, and I'm gonna take advantage of this because if you don't know this, it's hard to get week to get Wheezy just in one spot for more than an hour, and now I get to have her here, <laughs> so I'm gonna ask her all the questions that I want. Okay, so like, what's it like to have celebrities know who you are? How does that feel? Like, does any part of you feel like? Wait, how, what, you're lying. Like, that what? part is really weird because I think for a while I was embarrassed at how people knew me. And then like a lot of that went away after getting this job. Kenya was like, you always talk about how like it's a sex podcast. Like it's performative. It's talk. It's like a milestone, bro. He's like, it's not just you talking sex. Like you're an entertainer. Put a pin in that just because there are going to people who don't know. Kenya Barris. Kenya Barris is a huge Hollywood executive. He created Grownish on ABC, Blackish. Girls Trip. Girls Trip the movie. I think just America's like, Next Top Model he's done. What? Yeah. Okay, just for those who don't know, this is her Hollywood job. <laughs> so Let you, me try to Google all the stuff my new boss does because I don't even fucking know. This is Weezy's new boss. So while we've had Alex sit in, which has been great, oh, I love- Black AF. That was one of my favorites. Oh, Netflix. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Oh, that's yeah. right. That mm -hmm. was on Netflix. Um, but Coming to America 2, Barbershop, the new Barbershop, um, The Witches by Ronald Dahl. What? Ronald Dahl, sorry, on HBO he worked on. Um, yeah, Little with Issa Rae. Um, okay, so you're working with, uh, you're in, you're in. Weezy, you're in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in, I am not the arena, but. No, no, I mean, no, no, yes. you are very much in the arena, honey. Yeah, like it's, it, it's interesting because Kenya is in, like new to this audio space, God right? Bless. And he knows everybody, like one of his top producers, like his, one of his head producers, she's worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm, like she's a producer on there, like everybody he works with is so high level. 
And he was basically like, nobody knows podcasts. Like, this is your shit. Like, you do this job. Um, so I feel super blessed. I have insurance again, which is awesome. God bless. Wait, does Alex know that? Does Alex know what? That one of the producers used to work for Curb Your Enthusiasm. I just found out. I'm not sure, but like he, he knows. Loves he that loves that show. Me too, like, dude. Who doesn't love Curb? Like I feel like anybody who works in the industry like loves Curb. But um, yeah, I I feel really like lucky. It just like kind of hit me the other day, but it's lucky, but it's well deserved too. Thank you so much. Like it's not just luck. If it feels like luck because I didn't ask for this job. Mm. Very many, like very few times, do you get something huge that you didn't even want i don't want to say i didn't want it i just yeah. didn't know it existed yeah. like this person asked me to do a job it fell on your lap yeah like he damn near made it up basically they called me he knew he wanted me to run his audio shit and was like i need you to do this i want you to be my partner blah blah blah. and then so when his team called me they're like yeah so what do you want your title to be hmm. i'm like um the big what? boss <laughs> yeah that, that's funny that's what kiki palmer calls a big boss kiki i was like i don't know and then uh they said did i want to be the vp and i was like vp i, I called charlemagne and i was like is vp a good title and he said no because i mean someone else is over what you do you're the head so i love it i'm super excited and then wait wheezy look at this though you get you just what you just stated this is how much of the arena you're in and you you occupy is that you could even hit up Charlemagne the God for counsel. <laughs> hey, what should my title be? Like, I'm calling my mother from a village in the Dominican Republic for counsel. Not you know the what I village. Mean? She's from Uncampo in DR. <laughs> That's who I'm calling. Don't make me feel bad. No, I don't want you to you make you feel no. good. I'm not saying this to yeah. make you feel bad. You should feel good I'm about saying it. this to make you feel like, oh, wow, look at this blessing that's yeah. been bestowed upon me. Wow, I'm worthy of this. Honestly, yeah. like... I was, um, so like I've been living back and forth from here in LA and I was driving in LA and, uh, my friend had to like really put me in check because I was at the office and like Kenya wasn't feeling well. So we had a meeting push and it wasn't really his fault. It was like other shit that pushed and I was getting so frustrated. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to sit here all day. Da, 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 da. And, um, he was like, didn't you just say that like a chef was making a meal for the employees there? I was like, yeah. And he's like, why don't you shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> what job have you ever had that had a fucking chef come and make you steak fajitas mm. and like do all this shit for you? And I was like, oh my God, dude. Like, I have to really count my blessings. Like, the simple things. This is so dope. It was amazing. And then he encourages me to do horrible decisions. Like, he knows that's my bread and butter. Like, he he's proud of me for that. And by he, I mean Kenya. Like, he knows what got me here, why he knows me. And yeah, man, like... I'm even shocked I'm doing this job. I feel like the studio was like a big help because I'm building out another studio and like now I know what to do, you know? So it's great. So you're building out a studio for, mm -hmm. for who? Kenya. For Kenya through what? Himself. He's just like, mm. he's supposed to direct these podcasts. He's supposed to like help assist with them. Like these are his shows. So he's like, yeah, like I want a space where I can do this. I need an editing bay. Like he's just, that's what's up. He is so smart. Like he crafts everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just knows what he's doing as far as like how to monopolize on things and build on things. When we talk about a podcast, he doesn't just talk about the podcast. Like that's all it'll be. It's words like, which we all, I think we need to start doing. If we talk about a podcast that he's about to make, 
yeah, so when this is like a TV show, like this would be great here. And this would also be good when we make it a book. And like, that's just how he speaks. Mm. Whether or not it could ever happen, like mm. that's, that is one thing I've learned from really successful people. They talk about things that don't exist, like they're going to happen. And I know Amen. like we're all tired of like the manifestation shit, no, but it's, it's real. It's true. Because you... You create a mindset where you will leave it, and then whenever you have one opportunity, you just take it. Meanwhile, if you don't talk like this and you don't believe it, you may not even see that opportunity. Yeah. So you, when you believe it, you're so focused. Like, you know where to head because that's your main goal. I agree. So anything that may lead you there, you take the chance. And it's also like, at least I hate the words Bible stories, but also like to give it the Christian lens, it's like if someone receives one like let's just say supernatural blessing, miracle, something, something that is so uh, uh, extraordinary. If you see it with your own eyes, you're not limited. You've now expanded your eyes to what could be. Mm. You, you're not limited anymore. You see it with your own eyes. It's now about operating from that same mindscape without that blessing there though. Cause you can still have that. You can still operate from that, mm -hmm. uh, Um, like limitless view, if that makes any sense. But the people who've attained it have that easy access yeah. to that vision. Does that make sense? Yes, because you've seen it work. Like, right. I've actually, it's funny you've because- You've seen it realized. This is only, I don't want to name drop, but I only want to name, name drop. drop because these are all great people again. I made a comment on Instagram saying about what I would have or like, because I know I'll be rich. I said something like that. And some people would find that that kind of talk is very cocky. And I ended up making a story right after where I was like, oh, like, y'all are going to hate me now because I'm talking like that. Questlove replies to that story. And he was like, who gives a fuck? Like, this is manifestation. Mm -hmm. Like, stop saying, like, you hope you'll be this, blah, 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 blah. Like, we need to be speaking this way. Like, for some reason, he believes, like, black people have been taught to, like, kind of um, put themselves down or like get themselves in check and not reach and aim too high or speak so highly of themselves because they're maybe not used to things. And he was like, this is how you need to fucking talk. Mm -hmm. If you fucking lose a few people who think you're cocky, so what? Like, this is what great people do. And I will say like, anytime we read those self-help books, they always talk about that shit, but that's really what it is. It's how you speak things into existence and how you speak about your own successes like and honestly the people that think that this is cocky should start thinking like this more because well i'm not the greatest example here but when i see someone speaking like that my mind doesn't go and my mind goes like yeah you go girl like yeah yeah, go yeah get but it. you're also con you're like despite you're saying you're that you don't you shouldn't speak the way You're a confident person. You're not that insecure. That's or, true. Or, you know what I'm saying? I think that's more of a secure. Like, I have plenty of insecurities. And we right, all but it may do, not but be you don't project. That. Yeah, yeah, and you also don't project your insecurities that onto other people. True, I know yeah. you as a person, so yeah, I know this to be true. true. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're insecure about maybe, like, our stomach today. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, so All of us have made a comment about our stomach today. And, like, I feel that, bad I mean, today. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, no, it's shit like that. Still, like, me, I'm very insecure when it comes to career. And, and really? Yeah. When it comes to career and success in terms of same. Well, basically, career, what to do with your life, money. I'm very insecure when it comes to that. What makes you the most scared? And, huh? What makes you the most scared? Um, that I feel I'm not good enough and that's why I won't make it. 
And that's funny because I know, like we were just talking about how to speak things. And when I hear people speak like that, I'm like, yes, you go, go get it. And I know I should be doing this, but inside of my brain, it's hard to wire it. It's just like when we're breaking up with someone and we're hating ourselves and everything. But then if a friend calls us, you're the best person to talk to. Hmm. Go, girl, you're beautiful, blah, 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 blah. Like we can do it for everybody but ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like it's also, I don't know, like the age, learned um, pages from when I was young, you know, like whatever my parents used to tell me, like, if you don't do this, you'll never succeed. If you don't graduate from, I, I'm never graduated um, from university. So my whole Maybe life is like, if you don't graduate from uni, you're you not going to be anybody. Damn, all of I'm us. Six is this credits. why we're on a podcast yeah. with fucking dropouts? I'm six credits away. I know. My mom's Damn. still to this day. No one, my mom doesn't even like me saying it out loud. She's, and my mom is like, comes from a long line of people who act, dentists, doctors, lawyers, political people. Yo, yeah. No, this is a, mm -hmm. the fact that I'm doing this, like I'm the biggest mess up. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's just what it is. So I need to, I need to make it. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there's no other option <laughs> um but clara no i i know you personally i know you intimately and you've said this mm -hmm. to me before and can i just say something right quick the you're my the biggest thing that i love about you and what i like having why i like having you on the show like i don't care if like any other comments we've gotten <laughs> we've gotten some like hate or whatever but i don't care really <laughs> yeah I'll, we'll it's talk always about shocking that to me when like really hot people get like Hey. Exactly. Like we are at the very, we have a beautiful face here, but <laughs> no okay. what I'm saying is like, <laughs> you're so vulnerable and you don't come okay. And I, it's a Spanish thing. It's like people from Spain have this, like, I am who I am. And if you don't like it, turn away. Mm. Like, it's just this like very, it's like, I don't know what it is. Same with Guatemalans. Like Guatemalans are just like, it's, it's, I meet certain people from a demographic and I meet enough of them and I'm making mm. these general, these positive generalizations. Mm. And I notice that about you. And I love that about you. Like, I don't care about any of your other backgrounds. Cause that's not what I'm judging. Like you mm. have this open and honest heart. Like to even say that, I don't know too many people in New York that can admit certain insecurities like that you know what i'm saying like, no but that is true though. like i'll talk down on myself but whatever you think about me i don't care that's your opinion right i so, can't i'm not like, responsible for like what you think fun. about so, like you can like everybody so yeah well that reminded me of the, the comment that i read was what, stick to the stories brie they said something there was a, oh please rate and review by the way but don't rate and review like <laughs> this person they left three stars and they said like stick to the stories instead of like having an unnecessary or irrelevant side conversations my high tangies like i'm sorry but that's me from episode one i divert i have these that's how i have fun that's what stops us from being a pastoral ministry i am not a minister i'm not a pastor i have to say this every five episodes just so you really understand i'm not a pastor i don't want to be and it's a damn podcast bruh yeah this is a podcast and sorry i don't want to like bring fire into your no. listeners or whatever but if you want to stick to the story go over the bible because here it's a podcast we're talking about things that's yeah great, that's what um, makes it that's funny a great, yeah that's so. true and, I, and, I, and by the way i would love for you to read the bible it's the best book in the world <laughs> holy bible please pick it up yourself pick up your copy of barnes and nobles like but like i'm just saying i oh 
high tangy off the high tangy. Like, I'm sorry, but this is uh, this is who I am. This is what I do. There's a segment dedicated to it. There's it's like a thing. Um, for those of you that are just tuning in, the only way I I will do something like this is if it's fun for me. If it's fresh, mm -hmm. the only way I can keep something fun and fresh is by hearing new voices, opposing voices, opposing ideals, people I like and I love around me. I perform better with people around me. That is just proven. So, and unless I'm having a good time, that's going to read. Oh, you want me to just do straight? Like what? I'm not going to, you're going to read it in my face and my cadence. You're going to see that I'm not having fun. And I doubt that you want that show. Go to church. Go. Yeah. 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 Like that's right. not the show. And, and, and I say this with peace and love. I would love for you to stay like, hello, but there's a reason why this we're at what now episode 1920 like i i i want to keep this going for a really long time in order for i know i know myself i know that i will wean off if i don't enjoy something i just know it i've had pat people from a super trip talk know this firsthand like i i need to have fun i need to keep it fresh and new in order for me to even continue doing something the way we all know and like this is Bible stories with Brianda. Trust me, we are all like that with men too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, I love you to pieces. Um, wait, let's let's uh, also talk briefly. I don't want to weigh the episode down before we dive into judges. Judgy, judge, judges. Okay. We do we want to give a little uh, shout out to? You're looking at me, mad scared. Oh, because uh, I was talking about men, and I was like, no. But yes, no. there is one man. We want to share some love and appreciation for our friend. Van Lathan. Van um, is a friend to many. And even if you don't know Van, he feels like your friend because he's amazing. Van lost, lost his dad um, Sunday on July 4th. And, you know, I just don't really have many words because I don't know what to do in these scenarios. But, you know, you love someone and you want to make sure that you're letting them know you love them. And I feel like a lot of ways that people receive love is through God. And I think who other than Brianda to oh boy. talk about God. But, you know, I don't know if it is us talking directly to Van, if he'll ever hear this, if it's too much or someone else. But I thought maybe just some nice words for someone who's grieving. For sure. Yeah. And I saw Van's tweet last night, which is we're recording this on the 5th. So it just happened. And he was a Christian man. And I know this because I've seen some of Van Lathan's content. He's also been interviewed on like Hillsong's YouTube channel. Uh, Hillsong is a really popular Christian um, faith church group. And I remember him doing an interview on his own walk with God and his own relationship to Christ. And him in his testimony, I heard so much of myself in it. And I remember after I heard Van talk about his walk, the first thing I did was pick up the text. And anyone whose testimony inspires you to pick up the text, you know that that's the Holy Spirit at work. And Van did that for me. Someone he's, I've never met him. I don't know him. Of course, I know him six degrees of separation through Wheezy and through Alex. But when I heard this, it felt like a friend of mine who had just lost someone. And with anyone that's grieving, um, sans their religious beliefs or whatever, like, just letting someone know that you're thinking about them and that you're there for them is more than enough. Just letting them know that they're in your thoughts and prayers, and that's all you can do, right? Grief is something that every single person in this room, every single person that's watching this has either already experienced or will experience at some point in your life. 
that's one of the only things that we know for sure, aside from the fact that you too will expire. I will expire too, right? And of course, there are several different scriptures. Um, uh, like there's a beautiful scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a scripture in Romans 8, if you guys want to hop into those chapters. And, and, and in Matthew, there's so many nuggets that you can find within the Bible. And perhaps in the description here, I'll, I'll denote some of those specifically so you guys don't have to do too much searching. But I know this message is for Van. And just because I know that he is a child of God... And I just want to let you know that your father is in a state of peace now. And as believers in Christ, we know that the human experience as we know it today is only temporal. And we know that there is an eternal place known as heaven that is reserved for us. And, and I, without sounding exclusionary, you know, I know that I know that he is a Christian man, which is why I feel compelled to say this. Um, and it's in my religions to tell you that you will be, you will meet him again one day. You will be reunited with him. But for now, you know, revel in family and memory and discussions about him and, and, and honor his name through, you know, stories and through yourself. And then one day through your children, I know you're not a dad yet, but I know you'll be a great dad just based off the conversations I've heard you, um, communicate and I, again, from us at the Bible Stories family, like our condolences out to you and your family. And I hope one day I get to hug you. I've never met you before, but I love you anyways. Um, God bless. So. You texted me literally right where you were saying that. Oh. That's wow. crazy. I have, to send, I have to send him a little bit, but yes, we Holy love Holy Spirit. Um, That's look beautiful. at Brianda. Is she psychic? Is she Jesus? No, I'm she? not a psychic. I'm just kidding. It's against my religion. No. I'm just a person, man. I'm just a person. I'm just a Christian girl, but I'm, um, I'm ready to dive into the story if you guys are. So what is Judges? Is it like a shady book? Is it like, <laughs> oof, So as I, so let's hop into the book of Judges, okay? So I gave you guys a brief synopsis about what it was. I'll recap today. For those of you who have not uh, seen the Bible Project on YouTube, they're a great resource for me, for anyone who's just tapping into the Bible. They do these really great animation summations of every single book in the Bible. And uh, I, I told you guys at the end of Joshua, our last episode, to tap into that seven-minute YouTube Bible Project judges, just so you could see what the scope of the book looked like. Where I left off last episode, I let you guys know that these judges were set in place before kings. So at this time in the Bible, there were no kings. The book of Judges, and also Ruth after, um, was set in place at the time after Joshua dies up until 1 Samuel, up until the first king. So that's what Judges is comprised of. The, um, some, now here's where I, I, you know, I like giving you guys time frame so that we best understand, um, what kind of, uh, again, time frame we're dealing with. Some theologians say it was somewhere between 160 years. I've also read some theologians say it was closer to 300 years, but the book of judges and stories in the judges time period, they say is around anywhere from 160 years to 
300-ish years. Again, loosely, do your own research. I, I urge you guys to do your own research as well. Um, and these judges were summoned by God to guide Israelites after they have fallen. Now, how many judges were there? Total in the book of Judges, there were 12 judges. And for in between each judge were cycles. And this is going to be super important. I say cycle because it mirrors the cycles that us, that we go through in life, where sometimes we're at highs, sometimes we're at lows, sometimes we're at a place of prosperity, whether that be financial, spiritual, romantic, whatever. Sometimes, in some seasons in life, we're at the opposite. And sometimes it blends. So you see that those cycles that are uh, prevalent in our daily lives, it's mirrored in the book of Judges in cycles. And in between Judges, the people of Israel experience cycles. And this is how the cycles go. The Israelites sins the, as a people, right? They sin, they fall, they repent, they call out to the Lord for help. And the Lord shows up because the Lord is a faithful, relent, relentlessly faithful. And he understands that we still have that covenant to execute. So God saves them. And so the cycle continues. After they are saved, they fall again, etc., etc., etc. That is the scope of every cycle within the book of Judges. Keep that in your mind. And if you feel like I'm being repetitive after every judge, after every story, it's because I am. And it's very much intentional. Like we know when God uses repetition as a device for us to really fully understand something. And in life, it's a little repetitious. No? Am I right or am I right? Right? So... Uh, the, that, that's essentially what the book of Judges, Judges is. Chapters one and chapters two are a prologue. Prologue meaning it breaks down what we've just uh, uh, discussed throughout the Bible, but also what God's desires are for us. Uh, it also hammers down that God is a faithful God. Just so we know that every time they fall, that is of their own free will. And anything that God, any negative Thing that happens to the Israelites by God's hands is just, is discipline. It's a punishment. But like we've said before, nothing can thwart God's final overarching plan. That is a theme and a motif that has been prevalent in several other stories in the Bible. If you are a listener of Bible stories, you know that for a fact. Okay. Um, what else do I need to say? That's chapter two. The first two chapters are prologue. The chapters three through 17 are, are the judges. So if you guys want to just read about the judges, chapters three through 17. Today, though, we're only going to be discussing chapters one through 13, which is essentially the two prologues and 11 of the 12 judges. Next week's episode, <laughs> if you guys are seeing the YouTube, you'll see I use my hands a lot just so we really understand because I'm about to dive into the story. I just have to, this is a house rules, okay? Next week, we're going to be discussing from Judges chapters 13 to the end, chapter 21, uh, through chapter 21, but that'll be next week. And we save the spiciest, sexiest, 
and also most salacious judge for last for next week. His name's Samson. Anyone who is anyone knows the story. There are people who are not even believers who know about the story of Samson, Samson and Delilah. Let's just double check this. Glad you, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't, know. I don't of know. Of course, no. these girls. I Do you know? know? You don't. You're Jewish. But not for real. What about you? <laughs> I have no I idea. Really. Help! Phone home! <laughs> oh my God, Wheezy! Samson and Delilah. We'll talk about that. Delilah next week. is a great club in LA, by the way. <laughs> it is. Oh that's my. her religion. That's his, his hers. <laughs> See, I'm gonna get back to myself soon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so mm. that's gonna be next week, though. <laughs> but today we're gonna discuss. We've already discussed the recap, and we're gonna discuss the first eleven judges that God calls on to save these trifling Israelites. All right, guys, what better way to really dive into judges than by starting on a scripture? Let's hop into scripture so that we know what God is, what God is calling on in terms of judges. So we're going to hit chapter two, verses 16 to 17. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the land and out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. Hoard? Huh? Wheezy. Um, whored after other gods. <laughs> not hoarding. <laughs> That's what they did. That's what they did. So at this point, after Joshua, after the, the, the years of rest, they started whoring after other gods. And of course, God brings about some punishment and they cry out for assistance. And in this case, the first of all of the judges, and arguably the best one, you'll notice as the book of Judges continues, it goes from like, best, good, okay, terrible. Oh my God, then you're at Samson, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, so it just, go, it kind of goes in order. But the very first judge is Othniel. Remember Othniel? He was uh, uh, Caleb's nephew. Uh, the one, um, uh, this is from last story when Caleb wanted uh, someone to help him take over one of the lands. And they do. And if they won, they would marry oh, his yeah. daughter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is Othniel. He's the one who won his daughter, who married oh. his cousin. Okay. Anywho, so he was the very first judge to bring about, bring out the Israelite from oppression. And the after this, the Israelites knew peace for 40 years under the reign and rule of, or not rule, because he wasn't a king, um, under the judgment of Othniel. And of course, the Israelites knew evil once again, and the Lord punished them. And the people of Israel served the Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. Let's hop back into scripture. Judges chapter 3, verse 15. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, judge number two. The son of Gera, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man, a left-handed man, the people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. The reason why they put emphasis on left-handed is because everyone at the time was right-handed. Like, if you, if you notice anything about Ehud, it's that everything about him was like, you, what? He was like an outlier. He was like someone, you were, he wasn't supposed to be a judge. 
but he was. And this was Ahad's master plan in order to free his people. Judges 3.17, and he presented the tribute to Eglon, a king of Moab. He presented, uh, he went up to the king of Moab, who now the Israelites were like oppressed by, because of course, God punished them in this way. And he goes to him, bringing him a tribute. Now, Eglon was, Eglon was a very fat man. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. He himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. So at this point, Ehud sneaks in to Moab's kingdom, pretending to give him a tribute. And then he also says to him, hey, by the way, this is him, this is Ehud to the king. I have a message for you from God. Do you want to hear it? And the fat king goes, yeah, like, what do you got to tell me? <laughs> you know, every, at this point, everyone knows that the Israelites have been tapped by God. So if you say that, we'll give them the time of day. Like, I'll, I'll listen to him. So the king sends away his, his guards and stuff so he can get to know what's happening. And what Iglon, the king of Moab, doesn't know is that Ehud had made a sword, like a double-edged sword that he stuck to his leg. Mm. Evil. Oh, not evil. Judgment. Judgment. And so he goes up to the fat king, goes to tell him what the message was. He grabs his sword from under his cloak and his leg and stabs him in his fat belly. And he slowly pushes it in his fat old Harvey Weinstein belly. Just ever so slowly. And then he slowly tumbles and he dies. And what Ehud does, because he knows that his people are around. This is a king we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. He sneaks away. And the reason why he was able to sneak and actually get away was because, and it says, I don't know why the Bible was so detailed, but it was. His people, his guards, thought that he was like, relieving himself. They say in the Bible, it says relieving himself. So they didn't check on him. They just made him die even more. Yeah, no, I know. Wait, wait, wait. So he has a judge coming in to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Two men. No? Yeah. And I, I think you said that the Bible doesn't approve of homosexuals, right? What do you mean two men though? So like the judge is a dude and the, the judge king is, is a dude. Yes. We have two men in a room ask all the guards to go away and the guards think oh that no who's relieving himself like as in like number two like pooping or like oh. or like masturbating or Rapid. something i don't yeah, know what it is i'm masturbating but oh, if, it, no, if no, there's no. another man in the room then they're doing something that the bible don't approve no no yeah but that, i i feel like using that mentality only causes it muddies the water it's like making things way too complicated it nothing in the bible alludes to that okay. if that's where your mind goes Laws of hermeneutics. So I think this is a term from episode one, laws of hermeneutics. If anything causes you confusion in one chapter, in one verse, in un versículo, it will be answered in another one. All right. So later you can, you can discover, oh no, he wasn't. Like, for example, he ran off like with, with, with goods and stuff. It just, it doesn't allude to him having relations with him okay. at all. I mean, the relief kind of sounded like sex, but... Okay. I mean, you get know. your mind out of the gutter, Miss Clara. They were thinking it too, girl. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> All right, let's hop into scripture. You're right. Thank you for helping me out with that. Ehad is. Uh, this is chapter three, Judges. 
verse 26 through, I'll skip around 26, 28. Ahad escaped while they delayed and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sarai. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country and he was their leader. And he said to them, follow after me for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites. So essentially like that was indicative of he killed the king of the Moabites. Like this is the beginning of the end. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not one man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And of course, they reigned and they were chilling for about 80 years with the judgment of Ehud, which is like, I mean, given the numbers of the other judges, 80 is a lot. I would say the average was like, like 20, so 80 was good, looking good. And of course they fall again. And another judge is called. Not much is said about the third judge. The, sh- the third judge's name was Shamgar. And they don't really say much about him. There are only like two or three ver- uh, verses on him. And you'll notice that with the judges that they don't say much about, it's not that they weren't important or at all. They, they may have been. It's just they weren't impertinent to the story of whatever, you know, I, it's not my job to figure out why by the Bible writers kept things in and kept things out. Would I have liked to know more about Shagmar? Yeah. With a name like that, like, (laughs) I want to know more about you, but we don't. So anyway, now we get to the fourth and my favorite judge. We get the judge Deborah. Yes. Deborah. She is a woman, the sole woman judge and one of the most prophetic and important biblical characters in the entire scripture. Deborah, I've 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 referenced her before and they talk about Deborah in chapter four and chapter five. There's even a song written about her. Sing it. (laughs) And if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. I have no idea where the heck that came from. Deborah was married and fine and not single. I don't know why I did that. Everybody loves Beyonce, bitch. Everyone does love Beyonce, except some of my Bible listeners don't. They like are convinced she's Illuminati. I said one thing about Jay-Z. Hi, Tangie. I said one thing about Jay-Z, I think a couple weeks ago, and someone was like, how could you? He is the opposite of humbleness, meekness. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know that. I'm not conspiratorial about, I literally just brought him up because- Girl, I'm not conspiratorial. Don't she love throwing out a word on it? <laughs> I'm not conspiratorial, bitch. What? It's true because you know why they're saying that. It's because, because of the dark energy that like, the ultra rich exude Mm. and i mean jay-z is a billionaire and i feel like anything that's like super omega 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 rich it's like it can't possibly be christian it can't possibly be of god or i can see that people thinking that because we love to hate what we can't have Mm -hmm. and i that's think about it Think about when there's a guy or a woman you're looking at, for anyone who's listening, and immediately if you find out they're partnered, you're like, oh, they're ugly. They're not this. They're not that. Mm-hmm. I've even been guilty of it, right? Like shaming someone's partner, except my last ex, because she really wasn't shit. But <laughs> I thought we liked her. 
My auntie used to say that all the time. When she saw a very, very beautiful woman, she always said her fit smell. <laughs> like she, you can be that beautiful and not have something wrong. So it always has her, to be. It, makes it was you a always person. her thing. Her fit for smell. For me, for example, God gave me eczema. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like I'm funny, but I also have a skin condition. <laughs> So Deborah was the fourth judge. And in the Bible, they reference Deborah. They always attach like a man. And I don't know why they did this, but it's Deborah and Barack. But it's really Deborah. Deborah was the fourth judge, okay? And I say she was the strongest of all of them, if we're being real. Because you know how I said that these judges weren't like uh, being in a courtroom, not the ones in a courtroom, you know, with the thing, how do you say that in English? Gavel, uh, what do you call those things? The hammer thing? Yeah, what'd you call them? Wow, we really yeah, didn't graduate. Thing. I think college. we all know what we're talking <laughs> gavel about. Gavel with it. I think it's gavel, yeah. So here's a case. Deborah. Gavel. Gavel? Mallet, gavel. Okay, cool. Deborah actually was in this case. She handled a lot. Oh, much like any woman, just wearing so many different hats, you know? So at this time, she was making sure that they kept up with the law in a very local way. Um, Let's get a scripture, chapter four, verses two to four. Deborah was a prophetess. After the people of Israel cried out for her help, she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, to draw out the people under Sisera, and the Lord will hand that land over to you. And she basically tells Barak, because she's the one that's really pulling the strings here, but she sends Barak, because he's a man, and you know, to, to do the heavy lifting for her. And she, she says, all right, listen, you gotta go to Sisera, Capture that land. This is what you got to do. She, she denotes everything super specifically. And you know what he says? He goes, no, 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 no. You got to come with me. Nope. I won't do it. You have to come with me. Hmm. He that Listen, this is, he knows what it is. He knows what it is. Mm -hmm. He knows that, you know, Deborah been swinging at big old figurative dick. <laughs> um, and she's like, no, I'll only go if you come with me. And she's like, all right, bet. So they, they end up going there together and... Of course, like clockwork, Sisera ends up fleeing because De between Deborah and Barack, they get ish popping. They just body everybody and they end up taking over that land. So much so, they're the only one of the judges. They're the only ones that get a song written after them. And it is a whole chapter. Chapter five is all dedicated to a song of theirs. Like, I can't, I, I don't know how else to display like how profound that is. Like to get, to have someone write a song about you, you know that these people, um, and to write a song throughout the years and to have it still be in the text. Does hmm. that make, is what I'm saying yeah. making sense? For it to stick for so long. This must've meant that for thousands of years, word of, you know, like telephone, like people were saying, oh, but Deborah, oh, but Deborah, oh, but De you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That must've meant that this person was someone who not only executed judgment, but probably support, like um, um, was a mender. You know what I mean? Woman. This person had to have been the real deal. If you guys want to read more about Deborah's song, see Judges chapter five. Now, of course, the reign of Deborah and Brock, but really Deborah, <laughs> um, lasted about 40 years. And of course, like clockwork, the people fall once again. 
So God oppressed them as discipline at the hands of the Midianites. The land of Midian oppressed and enslaved the people of Israel for a couple of years. And the Israelites once again cried out, please, Lord, save us. Save us, please. If you want to see more about that, Judges 6. <laughs> and now we're back to the scripture. So the fifth judge was Gideon. All right, guys. Why and do I know that name? Did you sleep with him? <laughs> no, Gideon, maybe the R&B singer. <laughs> I would like to. I'm just kidding. Um, Gideon, if there's going to be one judge that's like up there with Samson in fame in terms of like universal fame, like, you know, two judges typically, and it's Samson and Gideon. And I don't know why that is, but maybe it's because there's more told about them. But Gideon was brought about after, again, the Israelites fall, after the judgment of Deborah, after 40 years. Now, God sends for Gideon because right now they're at an even worse place. And you have to know that after every cycle, they just don't, they don't revert back to where they were before the cycle. They get worse. They become slowly a little bit worse, a little foreshadowing by the end of Judges, the scope is pulled away from the judges, like the last four, three or four chapters, and it's this, the microscope is now brought to the people. And you get to see just how disturbing and disturbed they really were. So that's what I mean by after these cycles, they become worse and worse each time. So God calls for Gideon. Hey, by the way, buddy, you're going to be the next judge. And unlike the other judges who, you know, heard what he had to say and like rose to the occasion, right? Gideon, much like kind of our man Moses in, in Exodus, presents himself as a very doubtful, like, wait, what? You don't mean me. You can't possibly be me. Let's hop into scripture to see what Gideon told the Lord, right? Scripture, chapter six, verses 14 to 15. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And am I not sending you? He goes, Gideon goes, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. He's literally saying, you can't possibly mean me. He's literally showing himself as a very insecure person. He's showing all of his insecurities right now. Like you can't mean me. And God says, listen, stop thinking about you for a second. I, you, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be with you. Where, where's your faith? This is your time. Time to show up. And Gideon asks him to prove himself. Kind of like when Moses, Moses didn't believe him. Remember with the land, the cloak or whatever? He goes, prove yourself, right? I, I, I need to see. I just, just let me know that this is the, who I'm speaking to is this is it. This is it, please. So Gideon goes, okay, humbly, wait right here. I'm going to go into my house real quick. Grab some rocks and stuff. Grab some, some bone broth. Some, and I'll come right back. He comes back with all the stuff, right? And he puts it in front of the angel of the Lord, right? And all of a sudden, God takes his staff, touches the rock, and then all of a sudden, it combusts in flames, and then the the actual angel uh, disappears in flames, like a like a magi like a magician, like David Blaine type situation. But God, <laughs> right? <laughs> and 
that is when Gideon was like, oh no, he collapses to his feet and he's like, oh no, no, this is it. This is the Lord. I know what I have to do. Like, no, this is, this, this was proof enough for him. But the fact that he even needed proof, anyone who ever like needs to see it is someone who is just a little weaker in their faith. Not that the faith isn't there, right? Because even in life, Gideon shows, when I see Gideon, I see a normal, I see a person, someone who doesn't just blindly believe things. He needs mm. to see it for himself. You know, kind of like mm. doubtful Thomas. A skeptic, no? How do you say? Um, what? A skeptic? A skeptic. A skeptic. Yeah. It's when you live in that skepticism and only operate from that skepticism that's a problem, right? But who else wouldn't have done that or said that? Like, hold up, let me grab my rocks and see what you're really about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, anywho, the Lord... Now that, we, now that Gideon is, all right, game. The Lord, his first command is to Gideon, I need you to take, to take down any altar made under Baal. Baal. Baal is uh, spelt B-A-A-L. And uh, Baal represents the God that people worshiped when they strayed from the actual God, the Lord of the Israelites, the Lord. I'm going to repeat that again. Hmm. Baal, B-A-A-L, was the fake God that people would worship when they would go astray. It would just be what would coincide. After they'd stray away from the Lord's commandments and stuff, what would follow is they worshiped this God known as Baal. The Canaanites worshiped Baal. That's why they would worship them after once they would stray. And because Gideon, after the whole rock situation, the miracle that happened, Gideon made an altar for God in that moment. So God said, you know what? I'm going to need you to actually take down any and all altars dedicated to Baal. Are you going to do that? And Gideon said, wait, what? Y'all, y'all don't know this, but I'm about to tell you right now. Gideon's father commissioned a statue of Baal, like an altar for Baal to be made. So the fact that Gideon, God told Gideon to take them down, he was going to be pissing off all of his family and a lot of his people in doing so. Well, at least he didn't have to kill them. No, not yet, at least. <laughs> God will handle that later. <laughs> but so Gideon waits till nighttime. He doesn't do it in the day because he, you know what I'm saying? And he does it at night and he takes down the altars of Baal. He does what he does what the Lord is commanding of him. We like that. When judges do that, we like that. This is where good direction. Okay. Thanks, Gideon. All of a sudden, they find out that, you know, the next day they find out like the altar is like on the ground. And uh, of course, word gets to the town, like as and to Gideon's dad, what happened? And they go, Oh, we got to kill Gideon. Gideon's the one that did this. We got to kill him. Mm-hmm. Actually, his father is what stops people from killing him. Oh. And it, but listen, you'd think that he would have saved him because it was his son. Oh. And listen, laws of hermeneutics, I'm just interpreting because I'm just, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a whatever. I'm just a person reading the Bible. But based off what the verses tell me, it wasn't out of his love from a father to a son. Because what, what Gideon's dad says in that moment is, don't kill Gideon. Maybe what he's doing is actually legit because what has Baal given us, really? 
every time we pray to him, nothing really happens. Is it all in our heads? Like he basically says, what has that God given us really, if you think about it? So in that sense, it's like, huh, it really makes you think, you know what I mean? All right, guys, we're still with Gideon here and they're still under Midian rule. So now it's go time. Gideon knows that he needs to win over the Midian, Midianites in order to take over that land, in order to take over his people, in order to succeed in the judgment, you know, to save his people. So in preparation, Gideon gets about like 20,000, 30,000 people ready to go to war. And God, tell, oh, I just burped on the mic. <laughs> She's a lady. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> he, God tells him, oh, whoa, whoa. What are all these people at? Why did you, I did not tell you to take all these people, to bring all these people to war. Let's hop into scripture. Scripture judges seven, verse two. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Verse three, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, left while 10,000 remained. Yada, 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 a couple other conversations. We dwindled down that army from like 30,000 to 300. Mm. I know. And I think God did that on purpose. Anytime you see God do things like that, which like kind of don't make sense. Remember what we said from the last book? Like, why would you do that? That makes, that makes no sense. Same with the, the battle at Jericho. Why are we make? why do we have to blow trumpets around a wall to have the wall tumbled? Makes no, that's not what logistically would make sense. It doesn't, it sounds illogical. Ha ha. It isn't about what we think is illogical or logical or whatever. It's about what God deems as adequate. If God deems it as adequate, it's adequate. It is as it is. Like, it's almost an opportunity for you to exercise your faith. Yeah, you said that last time. Yeah. And it, this is just another example of that. It's the only way for them to let go of any preconceived, like, uh, uh, doubt, insecurity they have on him. God needs them to not just show up for themselves, but for him, which is the most important part. Yeah, he has the power, no? And he told him that I'll make you win. So exactly. Go God doesn't, exact, there we go. We're right here, Clara. <laughs> That's exactly right. With God's power, God is the overarching authority behind all of this. So if he needs you to dwindle down to 300, you're going to dwindle down to 300. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, I also think that after that he dwindles down the, 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 the army to 300, Gideon also displays a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of narcissism because they end up winning. They end up taking over the land and stuff. But I feel like in this, in, instead of, uh, uh, saying, oh, we won with 300, praise the Lord. Wow. He really did that. He thinks more of, huh? Praise the Lord and me. Mm. Yeah, there's even a verse in here, uh, and I wasn't going to talk about it. Um, uh, ch chapter 7, verse 18. When I and all who are with me blow their trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and Gideon. Ooh. And it kind of makes you think, the same man who was super insecure at the beginning, all of a sudden is showing a little bit of arrogance. Mm. 
It makes sense. The most arrogant people I know are insecure. That's true. The men that want to show their Rolexes all the time, that need to show all the things, they're really insecure. Small dick energy. I was going to say, maybe it's penis or money. Mm. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah. So I, I think that it just makes sense that, that Gideon would turn into this a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, there is this, uh, this the, that woman from that podcast, I love the Bible recap. She says, on the flip side of insecurity, the opposite of the same coin is arrogance. And Gideon kind of uh, displays that here. But and any- now we know he had a small dick too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, he also had like 70 kids. So that little dick got to work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so they end up winning and Gideon asks for a bunch of, of their plunders, a bunch of like jewels. He ends up like getting decked out like the high priests you two um, called like ephod, E-P-H-O-D. It's like the high priest garment. And Gideon obviously liked being flashy as do arrogant people, especially when they're winning. And in chapter eight, you hear the Israelites say, Gideon, oh my God, after all this, all these wins and stuff, you have to rule over us. Like it's you, it's you. Mm -hmm. And here Gideon does say, no, the Lord rules over you. You know, I feel like this just explains someone who's tempered, someone who's flawed, but tempered, right? Like he says, the Lord will rule over you. I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of plunder. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Oh, it confuses me, but it makes, it just makes me understand more of like human, human desires. We're flawed people, no matter how much good you do. It also makes me think like, I don't care if you're Bill Gates. I don't care if you're Mother Teresa. I don't care if you're Gandhi or whatever. I only worship one God and that's God. So anyway, like I was saying before, small dick Gideon has like 70 kids, <laughs> right? And like a bunch of wives and uh, even a bunch of concubines. And he has one kid named Abimelech with one of the concubines. And now I'm not going to go into too much depth because again, the book of Judges is a long one. And if you want to read more about it, read chapters uh, nine through 10. But just in summation, Abimelech was one of Gideon's kids. After Gideon dies, Abimelech goes to the people, hey man, who you want to rule? You want 70 people to rule? You can't have that. His kids, no. It's better to have one person rule. Mm. Abimelech ends up killing all of his half-brothers and siblings. Yeah, dude. Crazy, I know. Wow. But here's the thing. He didn't kill one. He didn't kill the, the <clears throat> youngest, Jotham, because the youngest one managed to escape. Mm. And uh, at this point, Abimelech's going buck like power hungry you know what i'm saying because he thinks because his father was this man who ruled you know a bunch of years and and managed to get israel the israelites so much land and power he thinks that he's like the second coming almost like mm, that's like king's work no or, is he a king no, no he's not, not yet he ends up being a fake king uh. he ends up enlisting himself as a fake as like a fake king and i say fake king because god did not commission this he decided this for himself mm. which is why his little brother also, he has like a dope uh, part in, in scripture, chapter nine, where he sa- he actually puts a curse out on his own brother. Actually, I will dive into that one. Thank you for asking that question, Clara. Uh, chapter nine, verse 18 to 21. This is his youngest brother, Jotham, who di- he didn't get to kill. And if you have risen up against my father's house this day and have killed his sons, 70 men on one stone, and have made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the leaders of Shem, 
because he's your relative. If you have then acted in good faith and integrity with Gideon and with his house on this day, then rejoice, Abimelech, and let him rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shem and Beth Milo. And let fire come out from the leaders of Shem and from Beth Milo. And then Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and lived there because of Abimelech, his brother. So he's saying, if he was commissioned by the Lord, they will prosper. And if he wasn't, they will fall into flames. What do you think happened? Mm. Fell into flames, exactly. And there was a huge downfall of Abimelech. Actually, and I'll like speed this up, but Abimelech, <laughs> he tried to rule over, and he did get a couple wins in there, but there was an untimely loss, and he died by the hands of a woman. Oh my God. And it's not today. Yes, I know. The, dude, the book of Judges has a bunch of little moments where women like, did that, did the damn thing, okay? <laughs> well, until the end where I think I told the story on horrible decisions, but until they also like crap on women, you know, just like balance though. Men balance. are gonna be men anyway. <laughs> men are gonna men. <laughs> but anywho, he he gets killed by a woman in in a tower. He ends up taking over this town. Um, He wanted to take over this town, but what the town does, they have a strong tower built. The entire town goes inside this tower and Abimelech goes inside, like he was about to kill them all. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that they had a, like a plan inset where the instated where this woman like throws something at his head, crushes his skull, but he's still alive. Oh, he still ends up living. And you know what Abimelech does? He says he goes to his um, uh, his like sword bearer, like his right hand, and he goes ask him to kill him because he doesn't want to die by a woman. Yup. Oh my that's god, exactly what that's crazy. Says. That is. He goes. He goes. Put a sword through me because we cannot let a woman kill me. Hey, that's fucking crazy. Died from the hands of a woman, so he died from technically a man. Yeah, oh, I know. Ah, oh, man. Anywho, the, 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 um, th thus Jotham's curse came true. God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father's seventy children. Yada, yada, yada. After Abimelech, God sent over Tola, a judge, and then Jair, or Jair, a judge. In totality, they judged for a total of uh, 23 minus 22, just around 47, 48-ish years. I can't do math clearly. But um, Tola judged for 23 years, and Jair judged for 22 years. They don't really say much about him. 45. Right. Thank you for mathematics. You're the, you're the math girl. Okay, great. Um, then they fall again, but this time God's patience is running thin, much like a parent. At some point, your parent is going to be like fed up. They're going to leave and they're going to leave the house and never come back. No, I'm kidding. That's an abandoned. No, God will never abandon us. That's the thing. That's the difference between God and humans. You know, God is eternal and God will never leave us. God is a DJ. Life is a dance floor. Something, something. I missed you. Missed you. We had Alex singing last week. Oh, what yeah. did he sing? Uh, Marvin Sapp. What if yeah. God was <laughs> one of us? No, he sang another one. He sang uh, the Marvin Sapp. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't uh, have made yeah, it. I would have made it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that song. Um, but anywho, so like I said before, at this point, the Israelites have fallen again, and God's patience is wearing thin. At this point, God oppresses his own people. Again, discipline, we're disciplining you, per the cycle that we described at the top of the episode, under the Philistine rule. I repeat, 
God oppressed his own people under the Philistine group um, rule. And they were under their rule for many, many years. And it wasn't until the next judge, which would be uh, Jephthah, yeah. And it wasn't until Jephthah that they weren't, you know, saved again. But even then, this judge still didn't do what he was told to do. There's a, there's a verse in Jephthah where it's like this long, like, monologue on his, his daughters, or his virginal daughter lamenting her virginity, going up and down a mountain. And then if anyone wants to, wants to, I know it sounds random. And I'm telling you, this is someone who was reading it. Even me, I asked my mom about it today. I was like, mom, what does that mean? Like, I, I, I if I were you guys, I would read for yourselves. Cause I, I'm going to be honest with you. I really didn't understand this bit. All I know is that Jephthah did not have any male sons. Mm -hmm. He only had one sole daughter who actually could we, could we, I'll we lost virginity before marriage. That's what it sounds like. No, 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 no. Actually, let me let me just read up on that. Jephthah was a Gileadite who was a man of mighty valor. This brave and notable man in Israel had a clouded pedigree. His mother was a harlot and a common heathen prostitute. And Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, rejected by his family because of his illegitimate ancestry. Jephthah grew up in the area, which would be modern day Syria. Though rejected by his family, God blessed and used Jephthah. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Um, the thing that we emphasize is that God did not count the wrong for which he was not responsible a disqualification. He raised Jephthah up. He gave him his spirit. He employed him to deliver his people in the hour of need. He was a judge at the end of the day. Now, uh, Jephthah wasn't necessarily the leader of a band of criminals. Um, the word was, however, meant in place for a poor person. Jephthah represented like poor people, a person without employment or pedigree. I'm like, basically, you guys are reading me breaking this down in real time, guys. Um, as it... It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob and they said, come out, we need you as our commander. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come now to me in times of distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, this is why we have turned again to you now that you may go out with us and fight against the people of Ammon. Jephthah gathers his troops and courageously fights the Ammonites. Uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. This was the source of Jephthah's courage and can be the source of courage for all of us. And uh, Jephthah makes a rash vow thinking it will help his cause before God. And his vow is, now it's coming back to me now, he was going to give his daughter to God, sacrifice his daughter to God. Mm. And God does not like human sacrifice. God never asked for that. You know what I'm saying? Um, Jephthah made a vow to the Lord, and it was a foolish vow. Even a spirit-filled man can do foolish things. Ooh, uh, look at this, guys. We're learning together in real time. 
Um, there is no need to bribe God's help as Jephthah did by his rash promise. He will gladly and freely give it out of his own heart and love for us and deliverance we need if only our course is rightly ordered before him. So I'm assuming that his daughter was lamenting this because it's it's a his daughter's lament in her virginity's lament. It's like, yeah, but I don't understand where does the virginity come into play? It just shows he was because he wouldn't offer a woman who wasn't a virgin to God. You wouldn't you wouldn't offer that. Like in the Bible, I think on horrible decisions. I also told a story that was from Judges, and I also told a story in in Sodom and Gomorrah. Anytime you see a man offer a woman, the first thing they say is she's a virgin. If you're not a virgin, you're not going to be offered up. If you're a virgin, if you're not a virgin in those biblical times, you're as good as you're like, I don't want to say this, but you're worthless, really. Like, no, no, it's true. Like in these times, that's how they thought. Yeah. And <laughs> up until not that long ago, too. But. Exactly. So uh, verses 34 to 35, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with trembles. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. It came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes off and he said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord and I cannot go back on it. But it was a word that God never wanted. He never wanted his daughter. He's, he was doing that so that, he is, so that the Lord would help him win. Hmm. The God, God didn't need that. Keep, you don't bribe God. And I think that that's kind of, maybe she was lamenting that. My father gave me away. There are many ways we could interpret this but, um, yeah, if you guys have more information on this, drop them in the comments below. You know, it was, just, it was, a, it was a, it was a part of the Bible that caused me a little bit of confusion. But again, we just hit like 15 chapters in one Bible, guys. This is not easy. This is not easy. Anywho. So that's Jephthah. Yada, yada, yada. Um, Oh my God, I'm such a freaking dunce. What's wrong? I just said that Jephthah was the 11th judge and he was not. He was the last one that they spoke about in depth. But there were three that they do not really uh, expound on. So there was Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. In totality, the, these three judges ruled for 25 years and they don't say much about them. So technically... Jephthah was number nine, number eight. Yep. Technically, Jephthah was number eight. And also, Jephthah was a judge that caused me the most confusion. Mm. Brianda, Agramante. But anywho, the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them to the hand of the Philistine for 40 more years. 40 more years of oppression under the Philistine rule until the last and final judge, our boy, Papi Chulo, Samson. But you have to stay tuned for next week for that one, okay? And now it's time for moral of the story. Oh, Papi Chulo. Moral of the story is God has been consistent, okay? See John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In that same token, the people were consistent too. 
They were consistently inconsistent. What better example of that than today's episode? You know, these stories today sounded like a broken record of flawed, insecure, imperfect people. In the case of Gideon, this judge has insecurity written all over him. He didn't have any faith in himself at first, but God reminded him, put your faith on me. I will never waver if you set your eyes on me. Don't bring 20,000, 30,000 soldiers to a war where I'm at. All you need is 300 men and faith in me. Faith that your circumstance will turn around. Having true faith will change your behavior. Resilience and strength are a byproduct of faith. And Gideon, of course, doubted. And then he boasted in an arrogant manner a bit because, of course, we're an imperfect people at the end of the day. But truth of the matter is, God will use us anyway. And God loves us anyways. Ooh. Hey, Father. Oh, I don't know. I think it went well. Those were a lot of judges. I'm nervous about next week. Ooh. All right, great. Yeah, cool. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm wearing pasties, Father. I, all right. I'll, yeah, I'll catch you next week, guys. He loves you. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like it would have been really offensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know.